I'm Suniti Sridhar, and you're listening to Brief Conversations, where legal experts from all industries offer insight into relevant legal topics. To access more comprehensive coverage of today's legal issues, including landmark court decisions and expert commentary on new laws and regulations, subscribe to The Daily Journal at dailyjournal.com. The U.S. Supreme Court's ruling last month in Students for Fair Admissions versus University of North Carolina and Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard University effectively ended in colleges and universities across the country affirmative action, policies intended to promote opportunities for defined minority and underrepresented groups. In today's episode, Holly Lake, an employment law partner at DLA Piper, will offer some valuable insight into how the affirmative action ban can impact private employers. Thank you for joining us, Holly. It's great to have you here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So what are some ways that the recent Supreme Court decision in Students for Fair Admissions versus University of North Carolina and Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard University can affect diversity inclusion initiatives in the workplace? That's a good question. Um, The short answer is for now, the students for fair admissions decision should have little to no direct impact on diversity and inclusion initiatives implemented by private employers in the workplace. In fact, hours after the Supreme Court decision came down, the EEOC chair issued a press release confirming that the decision, quote, does not address employer efforts to foster diverse and inclusive workplace. Essentially emphasize that it remains lawful for employers to implement diversity and inclusion programs that seek to ensure workers of all backgrounds are afforded equal opportunity in the workplace. I think we have to remember that the context um, of affirmative action in higher education is very different than what we colloquially know of as affirmative action in the workplace. The distinction um, between higher education and the private employer context is that in Students for Fair Admissions, the Supreme Court reversed the rule that race can be used as a plus factor when making higher education admissions decisions. But in employment, the standard has always been you hire you promote the most qualified candidate. In fact, there the regulations that govern the OFCCP already prohibit the use of plus factors. In fact, the OFCCP explicitly distinguishes affirmative action in the higher education context, stating that unlike higher education, the OFCCP prohibits the use of race be weighed as one factor among many when rendering employment decisions. So we also have to remember the decision in Students for Fair Admissions did not look at Title VII necessarily. It's true that in the concurring opinion, there is a comment that says Title VI is directly next to Title VII. However, this was not analysis done under Title VII. So the Supreme Court's majority opinion talked about the many issues it found with affirmative action in higher education admissions including the fact that courts can't measure the university's goals of, in their words, acquiring new knowledge based on diverse outlooks and preparing engaged and productive citizens. The court also said that affirmative action lacks a logical endpoint. So what are some ways that employers can fairly assess how well they're promoting diversity and inclusion and make sure that their initiatives have a logical endpoint? I think what's very important before even sort of addressing the specific question is remembering that We can't conflate the standards applicable to higher education and outlined in Students for Fair Admissions as those in the employment context. The analysis done in Students for Fair for Admissions looked at the use of the plus factors, and therefore there needed to be ways to have to measure, ways to determine a logical endpoint. But that's not how, quote, affirmative action is applied in the employment context, because plus factors are not used. They're not they're not permitted. The standard always has been 
that you hire, promote, you make personnel decisions based on people's qualifications and the most qualified candidate would be selected. In terms of assessing the impact of diversity and inclusion efforts, if employers do want to do that, I always think it's a great idea, even before this decision and and going forward, to identify um, certain metrics that you want to look at to assess the effectiveness of your diversity and inclusion endeavors. That looks at making sure you're looking at what outreach you are doing to, to recruit candidates to your workplace, tracking to see what how that outreach has impacted recruitment. Are people truly coming from the places from which you are doing outreach? And then tracking to see, are those people getting selected? Are the most qualified candidates those that are coming from the places where your outreach is coming from? How many of those people are being selected for promotions? What about internal referrals? Metrics are a great way to track impact of any activity. And, and that's that remains a standard. Thank you so much, Holly, for coming onto the podcast. That wraps Thank up you. today's episode of Brief Conversations. We'll see you tomorrow for another episode as we continue our daily conversations with top legal minds, bringing you insights and analysis to keep you informed and up to date. Remember to visit dailyjournal.com to become a subscriber and never miss out on the latest legal news and resources.